This is The 101, a podcast where we journey up and down Highway 101 along California's central and south coasts, sharing discoveries, stories and conversations from Ventura to Santa Barbara to San Luis Obispo and beyond. I'm your host, Michelle Loxton. It's our second season, a season with stories of struggle, perseverance, grit and triumph. There are over 2 million undocumented people living in California, according to the Public Policy Institute of California, a nonpartisan research group. They estimate that that number makes up a quarter of all of the undocumented immigrants in the United States and 6% of California's population. No matter your opinion on illegal immigration, industries like agriculture have a demand for these workers. They're here working and living. Today, I wanted to give you a glimpse into the lives of the undocumented and specifically those that have been here a really long time. I'm talking decades. It's like living with some sort of disease, right? You forget that you're sick and you just go on about your life without thinking there's this thing that holds me back. In this episode of The 101, I'll introduce you to four people living on California's central and south coasts without papers, without legal immigration status, to see what their lives are like, from their biggest worries to what brings them joy. What makes me happy is to see my kids growing up, and I try to give them the best life that I can. You'll also hear from one woman trying to make a difference in the lives of the undocumented. So much could happen if people didn't have to constantly manage, manage, manage being undocumented every single day. The lives of Victoria, Vicente, Jesus, and Evelia. That's ahead. Support for The 101 comes from KCLU listeners and Cottage Health. For nearly 130 years, Cottage Health has been providing advanced medical care for patients throughout California. Nationally recognized for quality care and patient satisfaction, the team at Cottage Health puts patients first with excellence, integrity, and compassion. Services include the Cottage Heart and Vascular Center, Cottage Center for Orthopedics, Cottage Children's Medical Center, and Santa Barbara Neuroscience Institute. More at cottagehealth.org. This is The 101. I'm Michelle Luxton. I end every one of my podcast episodes with this message. If you have an idea or a story for one of our next episodes, you can email me at podcast at kclu.org. That's exactly what Vanessa Frank did after she listened to season one. Frank is an immigration attorney based in the city of Ventura, and she wanted me to meet some of her favorite people, as she calls them her clients and friends, who have something in common. They're undocumented and have been for a long time. And when I say a long time, I mean decades. I haven't done the math. Maybe 75% of my clients have been in the United States at least 10 years. Also 15, 20 years. So all of my DACA clients, by definition, have been here at least 15 years. And those are the young ones, right? DACA are the kids. 
DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's an Obama-era policy that protects certain young undocumented immigrants from deportation. These immigrants, also known as Dreamers, were brought to the U.S. as young people before 2007. Currently, DACA is on shaky ground with only existing DACA recipients able to get renewals processed and no new applications being granted. The fight is in the hands of Congress, the Biden administration and the courts. And the young people eligible for DACA have parents. Before DACA existed, and even now, of course, I represented DACA kids' parents. So... Now we're talking about people who've been here for 20 years, 25 years. Some even more than 30 years. And these are the people Frank wanted to introduce me to. First, there's Victoria Galinda. She's been in the U.S. more than 25 years. I met with Victoria at her home in Ventura. Her extremely friendly cat greets me when I arrive. Victoria has dark eyes, as dark as her long jet black hair. And she speaks softly. Victoria says she came to the U.S. from Mexico when she was young. Everybody comes young, she says, to get ahead. Victoria gives me her full name because she has been public about her case to gain legal status. She has been in the media before. Years ago, in an attempt to become legal, she was misled by someone who claimed to be an immigration lawyer but wasn't. The action by the notario, as they are called, led to a deportation order. Fortunately for Victoria, she found a legitimate attorney, Vanessa Frank, who was able to assist her with getting something called a stay of removal, basically halting deportation proceedings. These are people that already have an order to leave, but for humanitarian reasons, in their discretion, um, the authorities can grant a stay. And she has been renewing her stay of removal ever since because she is the mother of four amazing kids, three of whom are citizens. Victoria was an essential worker during the coronavirus pandemic. She kept going to her job as a housekeeper at a motel that was converted into a shelter for people experiencing homelessness. She has been through a lot with her case. And really, daily life is a challenge for someone who is undocumented. Victoria says there are many challenges. Your children want to get ahead, but the parents don't have papers, said Victoria. She says it's hard to request public assistance because she doesn't have a social security number, adding that to try to get a job here in the U.S. It's difficult when you don't have papers, she says. I asked Victoria what worries her most. Her answer is probably what you'd hear from any mother, undocumented or not. Um, que aunque, aunque los hijos estén grande, mis hijos están grande, siento que si me, Even though my kids are grown up, I feel that if I were to be taken away from them, they would be able to get ahead without me. I do know that they could, but as a mother, you always see your kids as the little ones, right? Victoria said. She is proud of all her children. Two are teachers. One is studying nursing and help with administering COVID-19 vaccines during the pandemic. Her son, an 18-year-old, has graduated high school and has also been volunteering and helping with the vaccine rollout, Victoria says. 
I asked Victoria what it's been like being so public with her case, bravely putting her name out there. Pues sí, por ese lado también me han llamado personas, me han me han hablado para decirme pues que 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 qué valiente. Victoria says emotionally, people have called me to say, "You're so brave." because they saw me in the paper or in public, and they say they could never do that. They would feel too ashamed. But that's why it's important to not be afraid, in my own case, to find out what can be done and have success. And for that reason, most of all, we shouldn't hide ourselves if we want to win this battle we're in. We have to keep moving forward. Her stays of removal are a temporary fix. Her attorney has filed an application for something known as U-status, which would provide her a path towards legal status. When I meet Vicente, he is dressed formally in a beautiful suit. His hair is impeccably styled, and he's an extremely friendly person. Vicente is not his real name. He's asked that we change his name as he has a job that is quite public, working with nonprofits in the region helping families in need. Vicente was brought to the US when he was 14 years old and has been here over 30 years. I remember not wanting to come. I was happy. I was very poor. But because that was my environment, I didn't know otherwise. I knew we we struggled to to eat. For Vicente it felt like being brought against his will. Pretty much told that we have to do this. In order for you to have a shot in education uh, or getting an education or in life, we have to start over somewhere else. In his time in the US, Vicente has earned two bachelor's degrees and a master's degree. He owns and runs a small business, but Vicente is humble about his achievements. I don't consider myself successful. I I consider myself limited in what I can do. And within my own limitations, I've been able to somewhat achieve a certain level of, I guess, success. But I think I've been resilient enough to um, avoid telling myself that I can't do things. Limitations because of his undocumented status. It's like living with some sort of disease and you just forget about it, right? And you forget that you're sick. And you just go on about your life without thinking there's this thing that holds me back. I'm not going to think about that. I'm, I'm going to continue moving forward. The biggest challenge, Vicente says, is the inability to fulfill your dreams to the fullest extent. It's kind of the golden cage. A golden cage in a golden state. California has so much to offer, but not so much for the undocumented. I guess if I had... the papers I could probably pursue a bigger role in society I just don't I don't have that yet Vicente says it's human nature to want to belong to be part of a club or society he says he's been in the US so long he thinks of himself as american at some point in my life I came to the realization that spanish is no longer my first language even though that's what I grew up speaking that I'm able to have a more um I guess in depth conversation in English and therefore I've I've become quote unquote an American whether we want it or not whether a paper says you are or you aren't that don't think of myself as someone without status as someone without documents as someone who's from 
another country. I consider myself a member of this society and I, and this is my home and the law may say something, but the reality of the day-to-day life is different. Vicente has attempted to gain legal status, but his case remains in limbo in immigration court. I met Jesus Noyola in a park in Oxnard. We sit on one of the park benches. People are sitting around on the grass enjoying the cool evening. Jesus is dressed casually. He's got very short, dark hair, a round face and small, kind eyes. Jesus came to the US from Mexico when he was around 18. That's more than 20 years ago now. He's lived in the US for half his life. Like many other undocumented people, Jesus followed family in search of a better life, a life out of poverty. When he first got to the US, Jesus worked as a farm worker. He said that work was really, really hard. He also worked in the restaurant industry. Today, he's a community leader and poet. He uses his writing to talk about important issues going on in his community. Jesus embraces the many cultures around him when he writes. He shares a little about one of the poems he's written about his indigenous roots and his indigenous community. This poem I titled Mixteco Hands. And I talk about workers' rights, salaries, violence against women, our role as parents of children of farm workers, that they don't have to follow our path as farm workers, not that working in the fields is a bad thing, but our kids can go to the university, even go to Harvard. Jesus loves the opportunities that are available to him in the U.S. But as with all undocumented people, he does have worries. It's hard because my kids don't understand that situation, that I'm really nervous and they're living a different reality. Since they were born here, they don't know, they don't have that fear in their life. And I think that Most of our community, when they travel to certain places, they have that fear of traveling and being out and about with their family. If they go someplace and maybe ICE is there or there's a roundup or whatever. As with all of us, there are the things that worry us the most and the things that bring us joy. What makes me happy is to see my kids growing up, and I try to give them the best life that I can. I've enjoyed being involved in my community. It's been about seven years, and it was always my dream to publish a book of poetry. I published it, and I think I'll continue to do that, focusing on my community and feeling united with people. Jesus does not have a path to legal status. He told me he hopes his daughter, who is a U.S. citizen, can petition for him when she's 21. Unfortunately, that would entail Jesus leaving the U.S. for 10 years without the ability to return during that time and no guarantee of a visa. That, or he hopes for a change in immigration laws. The final undocumented person you'll meet today is Ivelia. 
It's in Port Wainimi that I'm welcomed into Evelia's home. Evelia's hair is tied up neatly and she's fussing around her home when I arrive. It takes her a little while to finally sit down for the interview. The walls of this home are filled with pictures of her children and grandchildren. As I look at the pictures of the family, I learn about their incredible achievements. Evelia is undocumented, but her children are citizens, and so they've been able to take on careers in the US Navy, the Army, the Air Force, and one is a successful ranch manager. Evelia's daughter, Ruth, joins us that day to act as translator. Ruth works for a member of Congress. At the family's request, I'm only using their first names to protect their privacy. Evelia has lived in the US undocumented for more than 30 years. But after all these decades, she's recently received some good news about her immigration status. A petition made by one of her children for permanent residency had been accepted after previously being denied. This is still a journey ahead, but if all goes well, she could get a green card. I asked Evelia what it was like to receive that news. Ruth acted as translator. She was very, very happy and overjoyed, you know, after 30 years of being in this country, you know, um, it does bring a lot of overjoy in that moment. You can't really feel it, but when you do, it's, it's a sense of pride and she's very, she thanks God for it. Evelia's eyes are filled with tears throughout the interview. It is incredibly emotional for her to have this conversation. I ask what getting a green card would mean. She's saying there's a lot of barriers, obviously, after being here for 34 years. Um, she wasn't able, you know, to travel very much. When she got the notification, obviously, it did bring a, a tremendous amount of emotion. But mostly she said that what she realized was that she would probably, if this continues and eventually if she does get it, um, her green card, she'll be able to travel and back to see her parents because after 34 years, she hasn't been able to go back. There have been many difficult times for Ivelia and her family. They've slept on floors and lived in bad neighborhoods where there was gun violence and always feeling like they're in hiding. I asked her what worries her the most about being undocumented. Mis nietos. Que, que eres... She's saying um, her biggest worry, if, you know, as that comes up, is uh, her grandchildren. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that she's telling me this, but <laughs> uh, yeah, she says that it's, you know, it's hard thinking. You know, she, you know, we only have, she only has two, and, and um, it's hard thinking of the idea that if she gets, like, if this gets denied or if something happens overturned and, the thought of being like sent back is like unbelievable to her. It's a strain in her heart. Like that's the one thing she wants is that if she can get through this without the idea of leaving, it would be like the best thing in the world having her ch- her grandchildren raised alongside with her. I asked Ruth, Ivelia's daughter, what this process has been like for her and her siblings. I mean, it's a sign of relief. Um, hard um yeah it's a sign of relief not just for me I think for my brothers for my sister you know for our cousins you know um it's 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 not like a big big uh news but it's like enough to be like okay we're on the right path we're almost there 
Ruth says as a child, they didn't really understand the consequences of being undocumented. It was common in their community. I mean, it, like we grew up in like a very agricultural place. So the majority, like the majority of like the kids I went to high school and like middle school and everything, um, we were all have like the similar story. Ruth knows her parents and her mother have relied on her to help them through this process. Parents might rely on you a lot to get things done. It's because they don't know, you know, they're still strangers to a country they've called home because they don't know the systems yet because they've been invisible for so or tried to be invisible for so many years. So that's where they rely on us. Those are just four of the over two million undocumented immigrants living in California. The link between Victoria, Vicente, Jesus and Evelia is Vanessa Frank, the immigration attorney from Ventura. Frank gets frustrated because she sees polling showing the public wants immigration reform. But that majority opinion has never been enough to push through legislative changes. Uh, one of my clients said that living undocumented is sort of like living with a sickness. And you sort of forget about it until every once in a while it flares up. But an illness we often uh, attribute to sort of an act of God. You know, who knows where an illness comes from? We don't know what causes cancer or type 1 diabetes or these sorts of illnesses. But the illness of being undocumented in the United States, we know exactly where that comes from. <laughs> that comes from us. It comes from citizens. It comes from voters. It comes from a Congress. It comes from senators who refuse to budge on this issue, even though they know that it is not morally just, it's not economically sensible, it's against all humanitarian values. She says for many undocumented immigrants, paying taxes, working hard, raising good kids isn't enough. She says she has to have difficult conversations with clients every day. Every day I talk to people who've gotten the gumption, they have the interest, they have the money, and they're ready, and they're talking to a licensed attorney who knows what they're doing, and say, what can I do? And every day I tell at least one family, find the people you know who are citizens, ask them to vote to change the law. That's what you can do. Head over to kclu.org slash podcast, where you'll find one of Jesus Noyola's poems, the one he mentioned in this episode, and the link to his book that he published. The 101 is produced by KCLU Public Radio. We are NPR for the California coast. This episode was edited by Elisa Barber. Translation was provided by Robert Gomez. Gomez is the current poet laureate for the city of Watsonville in central California. Gomez also provided the voiceover for undocumented poet Jesus Noyola. What could be more fitting than a poet interpreting for a poet? Thank you also to Vanessa Frank, who helped me with translation in the field. I'm Michelle Luxton, the host and creator of The 101. If you have an idea or a story for one of our next episodes, email me at podcast at kclu.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, Tell a friend about it today and don't forget to subscribe. I'd also love if you'd rate or review our podcast. This is The 101. Thanks for listening.